I love this story that we're talking about today. It's You're going to recognize it if you've been in the Bible for a minute. If you've ever been in Mark, this is a story that sticks out. This is a story that's exciting. This is a story that's challenging. The faith of these people is challenging, but I find this story humorous too. I find humor in a lot of things. Um, right, Lynn? Don't I? I find humor in a lot of things. I just laugh, but that's called craziness, I guess. I don't know if you start laughing at nothing. But no, I find this story very funny. I find it very uh, inspiring to be more like these individuals that are in this story. Not only like Jesus, but to be like these four individuals that show up in today's story. Um, it's life-changing. So if you're taking notes, and if but if you have a good memory, you might not need to take notes. But if you want to take notes, this message title today is called Whatever It Takes to Get to Jesus. Okay? In a nutshell, what I'm talking about is refusing just to sit back and go, ah, I'm just not going to do anything, and the Lord just going to do whatever he wants to do it. Or we're going to talk about desperation, about desperate people. And this could be a bad thing too, but I think it's a good thing. Desperate people do desperate things to do what, to get to what needs to happen. So a desperate believer in God will, will, will not worry about anything or anyone or they won't worry about their reputation. They, they, they just want to get to God. I thought about that book I'm reading. It talks about David, the entire book. And I remember thinking how crazy David was as a worshiper right? So much that his wife, Michael, was ashamed of him, right? The guy, he's dancing and he's apparently stripped himself naked and, and he's probably tambourines. If you're into tambourines, fine, but you can see those people that are always doing tambourines. I'm sure he was doing these things, but you know, how many of us, that's desperation to say, Lord, I don't care what people say. I need you in my life, and so I love this because we're going to get to a place by the end of the message, hopefully, that you allow God to do this, but that brings you two things, freedom and healing, okay? We could say forgiveness, freedom, and healing, but I want to talk more than just saying, it's, it's like when you say yes to Jesus, he doesn't just give you a get-out-of-hell-free card, right? That you, when you go to heaven, you just give him that card really quick and you go there and, and it doesn't affect your life. Okay, listen, I've been a Christian for a long time and there are times I struggle, Okay, there's times that my mindset goes back to what it used to be. Um, but at the same time, I don't let those things control my life. Okay, so over time, God is freeing me. Okay, those who are in Christ are free and they're free indeed. Jesus frees you. And so, but we want to talk about healing, not just in body, but we want to talk about healing in your heart, healing in your mind, that kind of thing. And so, that's what God wants for you today. So I really believe it with all my heart. I hope that you do too. I hope that you um, are desperate. You know, we've met people go, that person's desperate. Okay, I met a guy in college that he was desperate to get a girlfriend. And I may have shared it before, but, you know, he had a list of names that he wanted to talk to. And guess who, this is a true story. He, who was the go-to between to talk to these girls to try to get them to communicate? It was me. See, I'd be like, hey, you know that guy over there? Yeah, he wants to talk to you. No. Number two, no. Number three, number 100, no. And then out of the group of friends, I was the first person to have a girlfriend, you know, so I like to show off on that because that was not me in high school for sure. Um, you know, my friends in high school had girlfriends and I was just like, what's up, you know? Um, I'm my own friend. I don't need, I don't need anybody else. But, uh, I love, I love this story. I get a little excited about this story because it's just, it's humorous. 
Um, if you actually think about it, it was a real story because it is. It's a true historical story. If you imagine it happening today where we're at. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, now pause. Does anybody remember, what did Jesus do last week when we talked about it? Who did he heal? Oh, Lydia remembered. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. He healed a leper. Remember that? Right? Okay. He, they're losing limbs and Jesus touches him. Does anybody remember that? Okay. Now you do. You're like, yeah, 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 I do. Okay, good. Because this happened right afterwards, a couple days. Jesus is going back to his home base. Okay. And Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later. The news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying at was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. It kind of reminds me of the Brownsville revival in the 90s. Like there were people lined up for church for miles and miles and hours and hours and hours. And sometimes in church we're like, I got like, I should have been here half an hour ago. I'm going to sneak in there really quick and nobody will know, you know. But back then it was like they, they were waiting for hours at the church. And you couldn't, there was no seat in the, in the house for, for anyone to sit down. If you were late, you had to stand in the back and hear it from out there. But this kind of reminds he's so popular and it makes so much sense. If someone in your life has the ability to heal you, wouldn't you follow that guy? Okay, even if it's a selfish reason, that's why. That's why Jesus, when he told that leper, he said, he said, don't tell anybody about this. And you read Mark, and he says that a lot in Mark. Why would Jesus, like, we are told now, like, whatever Jesus does to you, go ahead and share that with everybody. But back then, Jesus says, nope, don't be an evangelist yet. Why? Because of this very fact right here. Because they, it was, they were, they were wanting to crown him king there. They wanted to make it like, 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 we're going to, we're going to go for you for all those parlor tricks. Okay. And so there's no room outside the door, inside, outside. And it says, while he was preaching God's word to them, now imagine this, he's doing a normal sermon. Okay. Right. Four men arrive carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they, <laughs> This is why it's funny to me. I don't know. Some of us might not laugh at it, but so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on this mat right down in front of Jesus. Now, I read that over and over and over, and I can't help but just imagine if that actually took place today. Like you're at church. We we worked on this roof <laughs> this whole last summer. There's a lot of screws up there. A lot, thousands and thousands. Right, Ron? Thousands and thousands. Six thousand. Right. A lot of screws. It took us all summer. Okay? I can imagine we're up there and they're having a church service. For some reason, we're up there working because some of us, we went up there and we're, and all of a sudden, Ron decides to get his sawzall and starts cutting through it. Now, that'd make a whole new problem. Okay? You can see some of the prob little problems that we've had over the years. Okay? We tried to fix the problems, but imagine making another, and you got your guy preaching. Jesus is preaching, and then you have this little popcorn ceiling, which I hate, but it's so popular, even in our house. It starts falling, and he's like, like his beautiful Jesus hair, and he's all, he always wears conditioner perfect, right? And he has a British accent, but he always, you know, he's shaking, he's shaking that, and he looks up, and he sees these four guys just waving. And then Jesus goes, what's going on here? Well, not that he doesn't know, but I mean, he, I can imagine playing along, because he's playful, okay, if you look at the rest of the gospel. But they lower him down right in front of Jesus. He's in the middle of a sermon. <laughs> Seeing their faith, and that's the most obvious 
statement of this entire thing. Like, if that's not faith, I don't know what is. Like, most of us, when we we are too busy for Jesus or where things happen, we're coming to Jesus with our prayers and worship, and then something happens, we go, ah, we'll just get him next time. We'll just get him next time. But they go, I'm doing whatever it takes to get to Jesus. I'm even going to ruin this guy's house. It doesn't even say that they fixed the thing. They'll call Ron and he'll fix it. But Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child. Now, this is a curious statement here. If you're paralyzed, how many of us want to be healed physically? Like, forget the rest of it. I don't want you to pray for my for food. I don't need something to drink. I need to be healed. And if I'm healed after I'm paralyzed, I'm running around for a long time. Okay? But he says, my child... Your sins are forgiven. The reason why I think, there's two reasons why I think he did that first. First, we'll talk about the other one soon, but the first one is he wanted to make those religious people very nervous. And he was communicating to them who he really was. Okay? And they got really upset about that statement. Okay? But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there, they thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins, which I would say, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We know that we know the results. We believe that Jesus is God, but at that time they really didn't know. They just knew this guy claimed to be God. And to be fair, if someone came into this church and they said, "I'm God," you would have uh, it would have zero percent chance for me to believe it. You would think you need to go get a coat and wrap yourself with it and go to a rubber room because you're crazy. This is what they thought. And not only that, they said, this is blasphemy. This guy needs to die. Only God can forgive sins. But I would like to tell him, you know what? There's a reason why he said that. He didn't do it on accident. He was very purposeful. Jesus knew immediately. Everybody say immediately. I promise you're going to see that word over and over and over. Mark is he's an action-packed author. He wants to, and it's the truth about Jesus, but he wants to focus on the fact that Jesus is action-packed. Boom. Because he's going to teach in the rest of chapter 2, which I was going to talk about today, but he has two specific teachings that he does. And the Lord was like, not yet, because I wanted to get to this story here. And But he does teach, but he wants them to know that he's at, he's, he's at work. Jesus is not dead. He, God is not dead. He's alive. And he goes, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven... Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, be honest. It's easier just to say you're forgiven. Just get it out of the way. Okay, it's easier. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, and he's laying there. There's mud, crud, dirt, hay, wood, everything that you can emit, clay. There's everything that's on the floor, and he's covered in it. And he was like, Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and he walked out through the stunned onlookers. I would like to add that I think that he did a cartwheel out there, but that's just me. Okay, he did a cartwheel a few times as he's going out the door. And he says, see ya, I'm getting dinner or something like that. What would I do? I don't know, I'd go to dinner and get a hamburger or something. But grabbed his mat, walked out, and they threw the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed And they praise God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. No kidding. Like if someone comes into your 
business or building or house or church and he heals someone, of course you're going to be amazed. And my, my thing for you today, as a side note, as a just consider this, God is still active and alive today as much as he was then. The difference is that he sent the Holy Spirit to fill you up. So if anything, he's even more powerful even today. And he will change your life. He's not only healed, but he is free. This healing of him running and jumping up and doing a cartwheel out, I'm going to pretend that's true, and I think it's true, because I would do that. You do a cartwheel or you roll around the house, you know, whatever, and he is truly free. That represents not only healing, but freedom. But we've never seen anything like this before. And I've been praying for a move of God in your heart that you would be amazed and you would go, I've never seen anything like this in my heart. Listen to me. We are in a, we're, we're at, we're, we're this close as a nation, maybe even close, closer than that. We're this close to seeing God do something amazing. I think what he's waiting for is he's waiting for, um, I'm talking about the churches around the nation to pray against the spirit of, of religion and, and, and all sorts of different stuff to get rid of all that religious spirit where this is how it has to be. And this, and, and, and he's praying, he wants us to pray, God, free me. I want, I need you. Jesus, I need you. He wants us to be so desperate for him. I really believe it. So this story has two parts to it. One, it's all about healing, but the first part is sin and forgiveness. That's your heart healing. Okay. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us realize that you're a sinner? Again, I've said this a lot, but I've met one person in my life I was working at the mill, and he claimed that he never messed up, never sinned. I'm like, you're a liar, and that's a sin. So welcome to the club, right? I don't know if he was teasing me or whatnot, but I just cannot forget that. I mean, you, you, you're working at the mill, and you're kind of half asleep, and you're just like this, and I'm like, did I just hear that right? But the rest of the people I've ever met, including myself, I met myself, I'm a sinner. I'm, I screwed up before in my life, and I need a savior. And that's what this very first thing that, G, that Jesus wants to talk about is heart healing. And then the second part is physical healing. So let's tackle the sin part of the story. Okay, a few things I wrote down in my notes is a few Bible verses. The Bible, it says that all of us are sinners. It says that sin, no matter how good you are, uh, you know, you don't give your life to Christ, but you're trying your best to even it out. You've been so bad for the first 20 years. For the rest of your life, you want to do so much good. You want to do all this good. You're still separated from God. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't do good enough. You can't be good enough. Now, I would recommend, yeah, we need to love. We need, we need to be loving. We need to be good. We need to do the right thing. That's not good. That doesn't give us brownie points in heaven. We need to remember where forgiveness is because it says that we're still sinners, but while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. He took the initiative. He started it. He got the ball rolling. And if, if we die without Jesus and go to hell, it is not his fault. It's us for rejecting him. Because I've had people, um, I've talked with people that cannot believe that God, if just God is so good, why would he send people to hell? I've heard that so many times. I would be rich if I got paid a penny every time someone told me that and tried to convince me that God is not real or he's not good. Okay? And I said, he has given every opportunity for forgiveness for every single one of us. 
And there are missionaries around the world right now as we speak, going to different tribes and nations that have never heard the name Jesus before. So there are people that nobody, that nobody has an excuse why they can't say yes to Jesus' forgiveness. Most people don't want to receive it because they don't want to be held accountable. That all of a sudden now they go, oh, now I got to allow him to change my life. And most of us, we don't want that. We just want enough of Jesus to like get the membership jacket and go to heaven. We don't want, there's no membership jacket in heaven. I'm just saying, but we don't want to We don't want enough of Jesus. We don't want too much of Jesus that he'll actually change your life. I was like that for years. And then one day, just that whole idea of caring about what people thought is gone. It just disappeared. And from that moment, I said, I just, I am not perfect. You can go to after the service and talk to my family and they'll give you examples. Okay. But, and that, which is, it's just fine. You know, you could, you could know that. But the fact is that my desire is to serve God with everything for the rest of my life. And so, um, and while that's all true that Jesus forgives us, just because you're forgiven doesn't mean you're free. Freedom and forgiveness aren't always the same. Now, when you're forgiven, you have the opportunity to be free from them. You're free from the penalty of, your, of death of going to hell. But I'm talking about freedom in your heart. I'm talking about freedom in your mind. I'm talking about being free where you don't look in the past and go, and you're bound by it. Lord, I know I'm forgiven, but I can't seem to get over this thing that I did. I hurt that person. I hurt that person. I, I, I was in a horrible marriage, and I divorced her, and I, I divorced him, and, and, and I abandoned my kids. And, and we get so uh, wound up in those horrible things. We did make a horrible choice. But we get so, we drown in those horrible things that we can't do anything about. We can't change that. Jesus says, you're not only forgiven, but he's come to free you. And he freed this guy. Now, it's a physical freeing, but all of a sudden he was able to walk, leap, cartwheel, do whatever he took, jump on a, jump on a horse and ride the horse around town. He could do all that they couldn't do before. So when you're a Christ follower, when you say yes to Jesus, you're free to live for him and do the things that he's calling you to do that you've never possibly thought possible in your life from that, from today's a brand new day. You've been a Christian for maybe 30, 40, 50, 150 years. You've been Christian your entire life. You were born in a church pew. My wife was born in a church pew. Maybe even literally. No, no. I mean, she was part of the church as a little kid. So this is, she remembers this place a lot. It's ingrained there. And, and so, um, uh, we, but at the same time, even if we were born in a church pew, and I'm not saying this per, per, personally, I'm saying for any of us that have been church in a long time, it doesn't mean that we're completely 100% free. Sometimes we allow things to linger. You know, I had a, when I had that sliver from the mill and I got, it gave me like three or four months off, which is nice, but I almost lost my finger. That wasn't nice. But it would have been easy to pull out that piece of cedar, which is poisonous. And it would have been easy to have a little bit of stick in there lingering, right? What would that have done to my finger if I just had a little bit left? It was poisonous wood. It would have still caused me to lose my finger, even if it was just a little bit, just a little sliver. But the good news is that when I went to the doctor, he cut my finger open. I was asleep. He cut my finger open, got the whole thing out. And then that was weird when I woke up and told my wife that I love her. And I was all, I was all like way out. When you're, if you want to be honest, put them on some kind of drug and then wake up and just record it. 
And I'm so glad that's what I said. That's the truth, because when, when you wake up from that, the truth comes out whether you want to or not. And I'm so glad it was good. Um, who's that? No. But I love this. See, the, the question is not, am I forgiven? Because maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you do need to be forgiven. That's a great starting point. That is a foot in the door type of thing. Lord, I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me. But not only that, but am I free? We need to look inside our heart and ask the question, am I being transformed? Listen, this is, a, a, this is an action that's continual. It's like, it's like the ocean. It's always, yeah, there's tides. I get that. So the illustration doesn't work completely. But it's always going like, the water's always coming in like this. Okay? Constant. And it's washing. It's over. It's over. Not am I being transformed, period, and I'm done being transformed forever. I go to the altar. I say yes to Jesus. He transformed me. I come out here flying. I can fly home because I'm changed. No. I'm talking about transformation that's over and over and over and over. Day in, day out, day in, day out. It's a process. Are we on the process? Do we allow Jesus to transform us every single day? That The moment we wake up, the first thing we think about is Lord Transform my heart. Transform my mind. Allow me to think the thoughts that you do. Allow me to speak like you speak. Allow me to treat people like you treat me. And he doesn't want you just forgiven. He wants you free. You need to be free to perceive his love and receive his love. You need to be free to serve other people. You need to be free to love other people. You need to be free to be a true child of God that you know that you're a child of the king. You're not a worm. He's, for, he's forgiven just a worm such as I, right? Like, for years, people wanted to feel the worst of the worst of the worst, and I'm just, I'm just a worm. I just wiggle around, and I'm just slimy. Yeah, I'm just forgiven, but I'm still a worm. No, he's forgiven you. You're a brand new creature in Christ. He's given you a new heart. I mean, unless the Bible's wrong, I don't believe it. I don't believe the Bible to be wrong. I believe the Bible is true, and he says he's given you a, what, a new heart. With flesh like a baby. I want that new heart. That's what transformation is. But for some reason, we still struggle. We all do. Okay? Now, maybe you're here and you feel guilty because you're, you're a believer in God and you still struggle. First of all, you're not alone. If you struggle and you're, you're, you're like, I love Jesus, but why do I still struggle? You're not alone. Okay? That could be every single one of us. Not, people don't want to come up here and say that. Hey, guess what? I'm struggling. Nobody wants to say it in public, okay? But you're not alone. Second, Jesus came not for the people who think they're perfect. He came for the broken. He came for the people who are sick. He came for the people who don't have it all together. Just, if you, if you do not believe that, read the entire Bible. Just skim through the entire Bible, and you show me a person that served God and was perfect. Show me. I'll, I, I don't know. I, I, can, I can give you examples of people... Um, um, obviously, there's people that are introduced in the Bible, and they get they get like one verse, and that's all they get. I'm talking about the story of, of David, okay, Elijah, anybody except for Jesus, okay, he, you know. But they all are messed up, and they believe in God. Even John the Baptist, like later on, we we introduced this whole sermon series about John the Baptist. He goes, he goes, he goes up to Jesus. He goes, "Are you the one?" Like, I've been the one that's preparing for you, and here, I'm, I'm kind of doubting it. Are you the one? Okay? So my point is, is that 
we, if that's us, it's not only us, and Jesus came for people like us. The third thing is today, not tomorrow. Today is the day where he can set you free. Don't leave this place in a hurry. Don't, don't. Don't leave until you've given God the opportunity to start washing over your heart. Now, if you want to experience Jesus every single day, you want to experience him in the morning, at night, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Friday. I have a tendency to experience God more on Fridays than Mondays because I'm already in a good mood. Right? Some of us are retired. You don't, Monday's like Friday to you. Right? You make me sick. No. But it's difficult to wake up on Monday morning, trust me, and I'm like, praise the Lord. I'm so excited. Now, if I want to experience Jesus when I'm at my worst, I've got to give him everything. I've got to give him everything. I've got to be desperate. And so I believe that this story teaches me something powerful. And this, we need to go public with where I am, with where we are weak. Okay. In other words, not with everybody. Not everybody wants to hear your, see your dirty laundry. But you need to find, this is what, this is why I brought this book here. This is why I'm talking about, um, our Wednesday night on April 5th. This is important because we all need guys, trust me. Me too. We need other men who are going to be honest about themselves and then I can be honest about myself with no judgment, no, no, no judging, no going, oh, cause I've had people come up to me and they just are like, like telling me their stuff. And then they kind of, in a sense, kind of backtrack and go, now what do you think about me? And I've never, ever, ever, ever said, out of my presence, I'm too holy for you. I've never said that. I said, welcome to the club, right? And it's been a healing process. There's been people that have been healed of some things because they've had people who they go public with their week and then they surround themselves with people who will help them. That's what that whole, that's why we were, me and my wife were talking about wherever she went. Hi. Um, wow, okay. But that's why we talk about stuff like this because over the next year, I really want to deepen in our relationships with each other and deepen in our walk with God. And we can't do it alone. We cannot do it alone. This guy, if it teaches me anything about this, this guy, let's be honest, he would not have been healed if it wasn't for these four friends. You might say, well, Jesus was, he could heal any. Listen, when Jesus was on earth, was he omnipresent on earth when he lived on this earth? No, he was not. He could be here. He could be here. Now we know we could see him. He can walk through walls. Okay, so he did stuff that was really, really odd, okay? But he couldn't be there and over here at the same time. Now, that's not the case. The Holy Spirit's everywhere at once. He's here. He's in South Africa. He's in someone's bedroom. He's in someone's kitchen. He's everywhere, okay? But if it wasn't for these four friends that were desperate enough and go, we're going to take you to Jesus, then he might not have been healed. So we need people to help us. And you know... Desperate people do desperate things. And this, you could, I was talking with someone this morning, and it was like, that could be a negative thing. If I'm desperate for a relationship with someone, and I'm going to do desperate things, it's not always going to lead me to good things. If I'm desperate financially, and I need, I have nothing, desperate people financially can do desperate things. That's not always a good thing. People do weird things and illegal things so they can get, the uh, stuff. But desperate in the kingdom of God, desperate people, they refuse to sit back and just go, ah, whatever. No, they seek after God. The Bible says, seek God and you'll find him. Keep on knocking. 
Remember that parable of Jesus and the guy keeps on knocking and, and the guy's like, what? He opens the door and goes, what? You've been knocking all night. Now, as funny as that story is, that guy is like, what? What have you been doing? Fine, here. He represents God. Now, do I think that God goes, what? You've been sitting here bugging me. No, no, no. But he's going, you're desperate. You're, you're, you're knocking on the door. It says, keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Don't give up. That's what it means. Desperate people do desperate things. They used the roof stairs on the roof because in the Middle East at that time, they always had flat roofs to go. They could go up there and, 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 uh, and bake. They could go up there and dry their laundry. They can go up there and, and, and sunbathe, if you will. You know, it was the perfect place to be. It was hot up there, but there was these stairways up the side of their houses and they would go up there. I think that'd be pretty cool these days if we had that, you know, but they go up there and what do they do? They start using whatever. I don't think they had a sawzall. I don't know what they had. They had their hands. They started taking off all sorts of clay and mud and stuff and horse dung and all sorts of different, and wood. And they went, We're, we need to bring it. And did you know, they had to bring them down there. So what they do, just throw them down there? No, they had to use this, like, ropes. So they had to plan this out. They were desperate. They had a plan. There's a rope right there. Go get it. Now tie them up really quick and put them down there. But the moment that Jesus, when they get to Jesus, they go, he's going to heal him. Watch this. Watch. We've seen his healing. Go ahead, watch. And they go there, and Jesus says something that might have confused them, but maybe got them disappointed. He said, in verse 5, my child, your sins are forgiven. What? No, no, no. He doesn't need to be forgiven. No, no, no. He's hurting. Heal him. And I get it, because we all pray for felt needs. If anything, if, 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 uh, if anything is a felt need, it would be, I'm paralyzed, I can't walk. Like, if I need to be healed, that's, I want to be able to walk. If, I'm, if my pinky hurt, I got, a little, I got a little hangnail right there, Lord help me. No, I can just go like that and it's fine. But if I can't walk, I need that. But Jesus goes, you know what? The most important thing is going to happen at first. Your heart, your heart. But the religious people in the house, they can't see the great things happening here. They have a religious spirit about them, and they're about the rules and regulations, and, well, he's doing something really, really, really wonderful here. And all they can see is the negativity. That's what a religious spirit does. I've been part of churches full of religious spirit, and it's been great to see God change, deliver, transform, heal, where people are there not out of duty. Well, I get to clock out my Jesus moment today. And you clock out. We've all been there. I've been there. Like when I was a kid, my parents dragged me, forced me to go to church. And I went home. I go, well, now I can do whatever I want because I got my Jesus time in. And now it's really, everything's cool. But everyone that I've ever come in contact with that in my life that's had a religious spirit, I've seen them transformed. And they, they don't go there. They don't spend time with Jesus out of duty. They're not judgmental. They're loving. It's going to change the world. But religious spirits do not change the world. Jesus had nothing good to say about the religious spirit. So if we can learn something from this story, we must pray that a group of friends will gather around us in our time of need, and even we're not in need. We need people. And so these, this guy was desperate, but he needed to have four people around him to help carry him, to help carry the burden. Moses, when there was a battle going on, and God said to lift up your hands, and he couldn't, like, what do you do if you lift up your hands for an hour? 
how many of us, the blood's going to drain to your, like right here, right? And you're like, you never raise your hand when you're in school and you hold up your hand like this? Yeah? Like you're like, okay? He had to have Aaron hold up his hand for him, okay? It's so, the, 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 it's so prevalent and obvious in the scriptures that you cannot do life alone. You cannot serve God alone. You cannot. You got to have people. We got to surround ourselves with people. And if we're desperate enough, we're going we're gonna to gather a group of desperate people who want to seek after God no matter what. So the first part of the story is sin and forgiveness. The second part of the story is physical healing. And I want to read two verses. Now, I understand when I talk about physical healing, we, we can split the church 50-50 right here. Did you know, you know, you talk about, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you two examples of, of uh, three examples of topics that split the church. Well, worship, music can split the church. The second one is Holy Spirit. The third one is alcohol. Okay, the fourth one, I would say, is healing. Because some people, they think that healing is not for today. I've met people like that. Then there are people who go, no matter what, if you're not healed, it's your fault. Now, how many of us have ever prayed for healing and you weren't healed or that person was not healed? How many of us can be honest enough about that? We all have experienced that. Okay, so I realize that when we, when we talk about healing for just a moment, it will make some of us nervous because what, what's, what's he going to say about it? <clears throat> okay, I'm going to give you two verses. Exodus 15, 26. For I am the Lord who heals you. Who's the author of healing? God. Thank you. Who said that? Perfect. Perfect. It's not you trying hard enough. It's not even you believing enough. Now, faith is the key. But it's not, it's not, the faith is not the author. It's God himself who actually heals. But I am the Lord who heals you. Then Psalm 103, verse 3 says, He forgives all my, this is a perfect psalm to illustrate this story, by the way. <laughs> what we just read. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. Okay, so no matter where you find yourself on the healing spectrum, whether you think everyone should be healed no matter what, or if you don't believe it for it to be today, I want to say something very clear. The Bible talks about God being healer, period. I've experienced healing myself. I prayed for people and seen healing, but I've also prayed and it didn't get any better. Okay? So, I am going to be honest about healing. I don't understand everything about it. Okay? I don't understand. I, I understand why people sometimes get lost in it. Um, but I've, I've met people who were promised healing and they were let down because they were not healed. I don't understand why God doesn't heal people sometimes. I don't. But here's the thing I'm not God, you're not God. But we will be honest about this. God is the author of our healing if that's his will. Now listen, if he heals you, great. The point is, the point is, are we going to trust God, period, no matter what? Here's the problem that I've had in my life over the years. God, I'm gonna tr I want to trust you, but I'm going to trust you a little bit more if you come through in this situation. Then I'll trust you a little bit more. That's not trust. That's God being Santa Claus. That's God being a genie, like rubbing the bottle and he'll grant me three wishes, which if someone gave me a, a, a genie in a bottle, I'd, vote, I'd, I'd, I'd ask for a million wishes. That's, that'd be my way of doing it. But, but 
like God is not this genie in a bottle and he goes, what most, now what can I do, Master Joel, right? He doesn't do that, okay? My job and your job is to trust him. He's the author of healing. If he wants to heal, you can't stop him. All you can do is ask. And we will and we have and all that kind of stuff, but the Bible says God is our healer. We must trust that Jesus is the author of our healing. We must pray. We must seek God. We must knock. We must sometimes go to the altar. Some of us during Wednesday nights, we're out here, we're just kind of marching. Sometimes we're laying at the altar. Sometimes we're just sitting there in the chair. Sometimes we'll bring a blanket or a, a nice pillow, right? But the point is, like, we're up here and we're desperate for God and we leave the results to God. We're not sitting here trying to stir up, like, look, here are brownie points for God. Now you have to do, like, throw God a bone. Like, now he has to. No, 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 no. We're trusting God for no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to praise him no matter what. And God, I'm going to ask you, and he knows. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Now, the question is, are we too busy for, to pray with people? Is prayer and seeking God a priority to us at all? Last week we said priority. What is a priority? It's something that we do no matter if we're busy or not. It just happens. We do it no matter what. I ha when I wake up Monday morning, guess what? I, I go to work. I don't ever forget to go to work. Like, what do I do on Mondays? Oh, I go to Orfino. Okay, yeah, 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 okay. But is it a priority? We're going to read a couple more verses. We'll be done. But remember, today's title is Whatever It Takes to Get to Jesus. This man had four friends break a roof for him. I think that would be awesome. Just somewhere other building. Don't do it here. We'd have to redo the roof again. Okay? But I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to read Mark 5, a couple verses in Mark 5, and we won't have to do it later. So I'm kind of cheating a little bit. <laughs> Mark 5, verse 25, is another example of doing whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Mark 5. A woman in the crowd had been suffering for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from the doc for many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything that she had to pay for them, but she had gotten no better. That could be anyone's story, by the way. Medical bills. I've known people my entire adult Christian life, medical bills pile up, and they're drowning, okay? So this is what she's experiencing, but she's not getting better. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up from behind him through the crowd. If you watch any of the movies about Jesus healing, She's like, it's a crowded, it's crowded, it's popular. And he, she's just pushing her way. And he goes behind, and she just, he grabs the hem of his garment. And he can feel that power has left him. This one is interesting because it says, for she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Now, this is a good prayer. If I could just get to Jesus, he'll change my life. If I could just have an encounter with Jesus that I'm not rushed, I'm not going, okay, you better hurry up. I got five minutes, God. You better show up or so help me. So help me, God, right? No, Lord, I'm not in a hurry. This might seem weird, but I know that God's not in a hurry. Never in a hurry. It's interesting that God's not in a hurry. We were at Walmart a couple weeks ago and 
I was like, here, get this. What do you need? No, no, no. Okay, wh- what do you need? Okay, I need that. I'm going to throw it. And, and what do you need? Okay, you need a bag of candy? I'll get it right there. Okay, and I'm rushing her, making it really, I mean, fast. Right? Anybody else there with you? Okay, you need some pants? This will fit? Sure, that will be good. No, okay, coffee? Let's hurry up. What do you need? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. But for some reason, if God were at Walmart, he'd be like, What do you think about that one? It's a toothpick. It's a box of toothpicks. What do you think? Right? That's how God is. Like, Jesus goes to heaven, sends the Holy Spirit, and says, basically, I'll be right back. And it's been 2,000 years. Okay? So, if you're here trying to rush God and be in a hurry, you're going to miss out. And believe me, I've been there, done that. God, I don't, I'm being very honest with God. I don't like waiting But if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Here's that word, immediately. <laughs> I can't help it, but see that word over and over, every chapter. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could, feel, she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Instantly, something happened in her body. So, this is a move of desperation. This is not used an excuse. Well, I guess it's not my, you know, we use that as an ex- example of why it must not be in God's will because this happened, that happened. Well, there's so many people, it must be God's will that I don't get to be with him today. We make excuses. We're too busy. People just show up and we, we you know, we're like, okay, I guess, I guess since I'm not able to be with Jesus, I guess that's not in the cards today. But she was so desperate. Desperate people do desperate things. She pushed. And he went. And then the other, another, another book of the Bible says that he went, who touched me? Because he knew he could feel power leave him. It was like, whoa, powerful man. Okay, Jesus is powerful. Okay. But she did whatever it took to get to Jesus. People who need Jesus, I want to read this, like I don't just read my sermon, but people who need Jesus, they don't rush through anything. They don't get too busy to be with Jesus. Desperate people will do whatever it takes to be with, with God. Here's some, I'm going to go up there. A couple of questions, and this is really huge. Um, before we leave, look, I don't preach for history. Like, okay, the Bible says this, and it's great. There's some great Bible teachers that do that, and it's wonderful. I love history. But I don't just preach for history. I preach that each one of us, including myself, would respond at some point. And maybe the response isn't you run up to the altar. Maybe it is. But maybe the response is just you in that chair or you on the way home or you while you're eating lunch. Wherever it is that you ask some few questions because I need, I don't want just a history lesson. Because a history lesson, history is great and you can learn from it. But after a while, you kind of forget about history and you, you're stuck in today. And I am too. But it says this, do you today, do you need to seek Jesus for forgiveness? That's the first person I want to, you to be honest with yourself. Last week, we, we had a time at the end and asked people to give their lives to Christ. And we had a few people raise their hands. It was great. But I don't want to assume everybody in this room had said yes to Jesus. Because there's been times that I've been in church when I first was going to church that I was just there because I was, 
they forced me to do it. Like my mom, maybe they promised me a, a McDonald's hamburger because that's where we'd go after church. But maybe you're here and you need forgiveness. It's free, but it costs Jesus everything. Or I mean, you're a Christian, you, you're forgiven, you're going to heaven. Do you seek Jesus for transformation? Do you want freedom? That's another person I'm trying to talk to here. Do you seek Jesus for healing of any kind? Again, I want to be very careful when I say this, because I don't want to offend anybody. Jesus is more concerned about your heart, your, your spirit, than he is your body. You could be full, you could be so healthy in body, but your heart is dead. Okay? I'm not saying he doesn't heal people physically, but he, he healed this guy in heart first. So maybe for your healing, it's not just a physical thing. Maybe it is, but maybe it's your, your attitude, your, your mindset needs to be healed. And then I did this kind of thing because I was thinking as I was reading this book, this is a question that came to my mind. Who, who is your group of people, your tribe? Who, who is your group of people that you, you, are, you surround yourself with that you could be real with? Okay, this guy, he meets... He's not like me because he does it like at four in the morning. Forget it. <laughs> Unless the Lord tells me. <sighs> he, guys meet with him. Well, he calls cave time. He just spends time with the Lord and, and prays. And when guys show up, he, uh, he, allows, he just allows the guys to have some time with God. Who, who's, who are your people? Who, who is your tribe? We need to surround ourselves. It is so easy to be isolated. It's so easy to ignore people. It is because we get busy. There are times I leave Pepsi and I want to run to my car, <laughs> but God won't let me. Let's take a moment as we close and we can be done for today. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone in this room. I, I don't, I, I want to, Lord, I want to honor and respect them. But Lord, let's, Lord, allow this moment to heal them and heal me. We might not be physically broken. Maybe there is some physical healing that needs to take place today. And I believe you for it. I trust you. The Bible is so clear about it. Even today's story, Jesus, you healed him. So there's nothing impossible with you, God. There's nothing that's way too hard for you and too difficult for you. Whatever needs to be done, you can do it with your words. You could just speak into existence the healing, and it's there. You did that with the creation of this world, and you still create. You're still a creative God. But God, if there's anyone in this room that needs the heart healing or the mind transformation, Lord God, I've been there, done that, Lord God, that you, you want to transform the way we think, according to Romans 12. You want to renew our thinking. And God, there are times that my old mindset creeps back. And you always lovingly correct that. So God, I pray for everyone in this room, even when they're in their car leaving, even when they're home eating lunch, no matter what they're doing, Lord, I pray that there would be that moment where you continue to speak to them. That this Healing prayer would not stop just because church, the church service has stopped. 
but that this healing prayer would be a continual thing throughout this next week. I pray that even Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, through all of it, there would be this sense of healing and freedom for each one of us. And I pray that we would be able to share that freedom story to other people, that you freed us and we show people that they can be freed too. Because that's all of our calling. Whether we're shy or not, our calling is to tell people about how to be healed and whole and well. God, I thank you for this body, this church. I thank you for my friends, my brother and sister in Christ. I pray for blessing on each one of them. I pray that they leave this place full of joy and peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. If you don't have to rush out, if you need more prayer, I'll be right here. I will pray, but if you need to go, I want to respect your time. So God bless.